It is a defining moment for Caiaphas. The realization that what Jesus said he would do over and over again, that he would conquer death, hell, and the grave, it changes everything. It wasn't just a defining moment for Caiaphas. It was a defining moment for Herod. It was a defining moment for Pilate. It was a defining moment for Peter and the disciples. It was a defining moment for all of creation. Today is April 5th, 2005 A.D. This moment was so significant. Jesus' victory was so monumentally that we count time itself by this very act, B.C., A.D. It is indeed a defining moment. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about defining moments, those moments when a truth, either a a new truth or an old truth, comes to full light, and it changes the way that we look at things, and it potentially changes the way that we live our life. We know about these defining moments. We, we all have them. And, and how we respond to them really is, it's our choice. The, the, that, that instant where the light of reality brings a brilliance and an illumination that means that we can no longer look at something the same way again. I think about some of the defining moments in my life. It was, a, it was a defining moment when my wife said, I do. It was a defining moment when they handed me a Bible and they said, we ordain you into the ministry of the gospel. Preach the word. I'll never forget that moment. It was a defining moment. In January of 2014, when God confirmed that I was to join the Calvary family and be a part of this amazing thing that God's doing here. Well, those defining moments. Here's the question that I have for you today. Because make no mistake about it, whether you're here as a a skeptic or as a seeker. Some of you are here because you anticipated this day. Some of you are here because you had nothing better to do. Some of you are here because you were drug here. Regardless of what brought you here, God's not surprised that you're here. And it's a defining moment. And as you, this morning, as you have the opportunity to experience the reality of who God is and the brilliance of the light of his love, you have a choice to do one of two things. You can either allow your spiritual and your intellectual eyes to adjust to the light and be guided by it and respond to it and be enriched by it Or you can do what so many do, and that is you can hide from the light and endure it until it goes away and slip back into the darkness. 
That was the choice. On that morning, when the stone was rolled away, whether they would embrace or retreat. But make no mistake, this issue of the resurrection, it is undeniable. People struggle with this thought, with this issue of the resurrection, and they struggle with it because it doesn't make sense to the human mind. Friend, that's the very thing that makes it absolutely God. And this is the reason why the Apostle Paul could write in, in, in Romans, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? This, this Jesus, this Christ who died, much more than that, who has risen from the grave. See, it's because of this, Romans 8.37 says, we are more than conquerors. There are There are four truths in the resurrection that that, that I want to present to you this morning. Four aspects of this defining moment that I want you to connect with today. That I'm convinced if we understand, if we embrace, they are life-changing. They are illuminating. The first thing that I want to talk to you about is this, is that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God demonstrates the incredible value with which he looks at you, the incredible value that he sees in you. Here's what it tells us in in Romans chapter 8. It tells us this, that God gave his son that he gave his son, he who did not spare his own son, but willingly gave him up. It speaks to the reality of what Jesus prophetically announced in John 3.16, probably the most famous of all Scripture. When Jesus said this, for God so loved you that he gave. For God so loved you that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's what God did. God God gave. He gave. So in that, he communicates this, this incredible value. In fact, Two different times in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says this, that you were bought with a very high price. Amen. Here's, I believe, a significant truth. And if you don't get anything else this morning, I want you to grasp this. That the value of something is not determined by its price tag. And and you come in here today, and and maybe because of of faults and failings, maybe because of words that have been spoken over you, maybe because of realities of life, maybe because of issues in your family, because of a wide variety of reasons, you perceive yourself to have this very low price tag. 
Maybe that's a result not just of your thoughts, but it's in response to what is consistently spoken over you. Well, friend, the value of something is not determined by the price tag. Anyone who's lived in Florida by any, for any amount of time knows that because we all went through the season where, where there was a price tag that was put on a home and then there would be a bidding war and it would just be interesting to see how high it would go. And then not too long after that, there was a price tag put on a home and then there was the opportunity to see how low it would go. I still have a home that we bought in 2006 because we experienced both sides of that. Right? It's not the issue of the price tag. It's the issue of how much someone is willing to pay. The price that is paid is what determines the value. So, sir, ma'am, young person, the price tag that you put on yourself, the price tag that others put on you is fairly irrelevant this morning. Because God determined your price when he gave his son. So you matter. You matter to God. And because you matter to God, let me say this, because you matter to God, you matter to us. And God is going to great lengths. He's going to great lengths to grab your attention. And, and here's, here's what I find so often. Here's what people do. When they're faced with this, this defining moment, what they tend to do is they say this, if I could just have one more piece of the puzzle, then, then I'll accept Christ. No, if I can have just one more piece of the puzzle, then I can, can accept Christ. Can I let you in on a little secret? As the pastor of this church, there are some things about this Jesus deal that I do not understand. But... But listen to this. There's so much that is undeniable that I'm comfortable with the unexplainable. Let me say that again. There's so much in the undeniable that I'm comfortable with the unexplainable. I find it interesting that even as I read through Scripture, I see this, that godly people had an issue with doubt. The disciples had an issue, even though Jesus had told them over and over again, I must go, I must be the sacrifice, I'm going away. The Son of Man will give his life. They heard this over and over and over again. It tells us this, that they heard that, but they, they didn't listen to it because they didn't understand it and they were fearful of it. It, was, it should have been no surprise to his disciples that Jesus would be arrested condemned and crucified. It also should have been no surprise to them that on the third day that he would rise again because he said that's what he was going to do. But it's tough in our, in our human mind, it's tough in our natural logic to, to wrap our brain around that, to, to conceptually or intellectually understand it. It's the reason why so many people will refute Jesus because they can't understand, they can't buy into the resurrection. And they're convinced that it's some great story from the past. Here's the problem with that, friend. Is that the facts 
the facts make it very clear that Jesus was who he said he was and is who he says he is. You know, in in Jesus' day, there were many who claimed to be the Messiah. There were would-be messiahs running around all over the place. And in fact, the Bible tells us that in those days, people were warned, don't get caught up in all these false messiahs. And what would happen is this, is, is they would either discredit themselves or Rome would catch them, Rome would put them to death, and the followers would say, I guess he was wrong. But with Jesus, it was, it was different. This supposed would-be Messiah was arrested, was ridiculed, was made a public spectacle of in grand scale, and yet this story of Jesus, it, it didn't just survive. But after his death, somehow it gained momentum. And isn't it interesting that his disciples, that that those 12 disciples, save the one that betrayed him pre-crucifixion, that none of them, in the face of incredible challenge, in the case of intense persecution, and in the case of almost all of them, martyred him for their faith, never changed their story. Why? Maybe they saw a ghost. Oh, no, no, no. This wasn't a ghost. We know it wasn't a ghost because of Thomas' declarative. Unless I can see his nail-pierced hands, unless I can place my hand in his side, I will not believe. By the way, Thomas has been given the name Doubting Thomas. I think that's really unfair. If I'm in that position, I'm standing in the same place that Thomas is. Because friends, this issue of whether or not Jesus is who he claims to be, this issue of whether or not Jesus is the resurrected Savior and truly is the Son of God, this issue of destiny, it's important that you can't base it on somebody else's testimony and you can't base it on somebody else's faith. I don't want you to ride on my testimony. I don't want you to ride on my faith. I want you to ask the questions for yourself. I want you to explore it for yourself. I want you to understand that Jesus is, notice I didn't say was, that Jesus is who he claims to be. He is the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave. He is the ultimate grave robber. And in that, he proves this incredible love that he has for you. This incredible value that he sees in you and this incredible love that he has for you. No greater love has one than this, Jesus said himself. No greater love has one than this, that he be willing to lay down his life for his friends. Romans 5 tells us this, that God demonstrated his love for us. And that while we were, while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. So it is undeniable. In the resurrection, we have this undeniable reality of the value that God has placed upon us. The value that he has placed upon you. We have this 
undeniable reality, this defining moment statement of how much God loves you. And he demonstrated that in the ultimate statement of love, right? Demonstrates it in the ultimate statement of love. That's that's what the crucifixion did. The crucifixion proves your value. The crucifixion, it presents God's love. The resurrection goes a step further. The resurrection declares his power. It declares his power. He, he, Jesus makes this, he makes this mind-blowing statement to the Pharisees, to his disciples, to everyone present. He said, tear this down, tear down this temple, referring to himself, and you will see this. You will see it raised back up in three days. It's the reason why the guards were there protecting the tomb. It was their job to make sure it didn't happen. And yet, over 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus. Make no mistake, it's a historical fact. And Jesus did conquer the grave, thereby proving, demonstrating his power. Here's why that's important, and here's why that applies to you today. Because if, if God incarnate, if Jesus, if Emmanuel, God with us, if he has the ability, as he proved that he has, if he has the ability to conquer death, hell, and the grave, understand this, that there's nothing in your life that is too difficult for him. And he made this statement. He said, ask anything in my name, and it shall be done. By his stripes were made whole, the word of God declares. Friend, we serve a God who saves, delivers, and heals. He saves. I'll tell you what happened here last Sunday. Last Sunday at Calvary, we had the opportunity to see people make a public profession of faith in water baptism. It was wonderful to see their testimonies on the screen and to see them baptized in water. At the end of that baptism, we made the invitation. If you're here and you'd like to, you'd like to be baptized, you'd like to make that public profession of faith, we've got extra towels, the baptismal is full, you want to be a part of this moment. Can I tell you, after service, one by one, people kept coming saying, I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized. The last was a young woman who said this. She said, I'm a pastor's kid, and I've been running from God, and I feel like I've been playing in the mud, and I know that I have to be clean." It wasn't coincidence that she happened to show up at church after being gone for six months, having these feelings of being dirty, and we're doing 
water baptism. See, that's the lengths to which God goes to reach someone. That's how much he loves you. Yesterday, I went to see um, Jack and Lois Kane. Jack Kane, just a tremendous man of God, a, a part of this church family for many years, um, played the organ here, I think, before I was born. Jack recently had two strokes. The doctor said he would never walk again. I had the opportunity to spend some time yesterday with Jack as he walked all the way around his house, as he walked around all the way around the pool area in his backyard. And if Lois would have let him, he would have done two or three more laps. See, we serve a God who saves, delivers, and heals. It's what he does, friend. And God has the power. He has the power to step in to your life no matter what the situation is. If you just trust in him. If you just trust in him. Because in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he speaks of how he values us. He demonstrates this great love that he has for us. He, he proves his power. Here's my favorite. Is that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God preserves your destiny. He preserves my destiny. He preserves our destiny. Destiny is not a matter of chance. It's a matter of choice. The choices that you make determine your destiny. Paul was right when he said in Romans 8, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. He says, what shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Because of what Jesus Christ did, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. He says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, the, the, the past, the present, the future, height, height, depth, anything, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions or many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I go, you may be also. And if I go, I will come again. To receive you unto myself. See, you have an eternal destiny. For all have sinned. We're, we're, we're all imperfect. And we fall short of the glory or the expectation of God. But God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if we confess our sins, the Bible says, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. Because when God created you, he created you for the eternal. And you're going to spend eternity with God or you're going to spend eternity away from God. And 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it was a defining moment. Understanding it changes the way that we view everything. And because of that, if we look at this moment through that same lens, then for you and I, this moment is a defining moment. And, and right now what God wants is He wants the light of His love to illuminate a path for you. If you're here today and, and you're a Christ follower, but, but you say this, you know, Pastor, sometimes I, man, sometimes I struggle. It, it, even like this issue of the resurrection, you know, when I'm in a good place, I, I readily accept it. But in those moments, maybe it's, maybe it's at that time when your college professor shares with you one paragraph that is poorly researched, but he proudly proclaims. And he gets you sideways in your faith and your understanding because after all, he's an authority figure and so if he says it, it must be true. He quotes another skeptic who is following the teaching of a third skeptic who have collectively bought into this lie that Jesus isn't who he claims to be, even though the evidence is so monumental. But in that moment, that voice speaking into your life, that, that lie coming into your day, Man, it causes you to wonder a little bit, and it causes you to doubt. You're not alone. That's human nature. And I love the fact that God says this to a bunch of doubters. I understand your doubt, and I will walk you through it. And yes, there will be some things that you will not be able to grasp. There will be some things that you will not be able to comprehend. And I understand the unexplainable might be fuel for doubt, but if you'll keep your eyes open, the undeniable will be so much greater than the unexplainable. I brought you here to remind you this morning that he's the risen Savior. He's a sovereign Lord. He's a conquering hero, and he's the coming king. Don't ever forget that. Perhaps you came here this morning as kind of a, a seeker. You're at that point that you're, okay, God, if you can just fill in one more check mark, if you could just take care of this one more question on my list, 
then God, then I'll, I'll finally say yes to you and I'll, I'll do this Christianity thing. Let me let you in on a little secret. The enemy will always make sure there's one more box to be checked on your list. He's, he's constantly adding one more box on your check mark. And, and so at some point you have to recognize that because of your limited understanding, my limited understanding, because of the limited understanding of humanity, you'll never be able to understand it all. But just because there are a few missing pieces to the puzzle doesn't change the picture. Let me say that again. Just because there are a few missing pieces to the puzzle, it doesn't change the picture. Some of you, that very statement this morning sets you free. Because you've had this very clear picture of who God is. And this very clear picture of what God does. And this very clear picture of who God wants you to be. And instead of focusing on that picture, you've been mesmerized by the missing puzzle piece. And God brought you here to help you to understand that that missing puzzle piece is not because of his imperfection, it's because of our imperfection. And if we'll shift the focus from the missing puzzle piece to the big picture, we see a God who in the resurrection of Christ proves your value, presents his love, proclaims his power, and preserves your destiny. It's time to see the big picture and say yes to him. This is your moment, Easter 2015. It's possible you're one of those people that were, you were dragged here today. And maybe at the end of it all, you're sitting there and you're going, these people are nuts and this place is crazy. Well, you're in the entertainment capital of the world. This is one of the best performing arts theaters that there is in all of Orlando. At the very least, I hope you've enjoyed the show. We're here every Sunday. Come back and check us out again. It's this good every week. Here's my encouragement to you. Because this is what I'm convinced of, that God's given you some of those pieces to the puzzle this morning. And if you let him, he'll keep filling in those pieces. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is undeniable. It was something that Caiaphas could not prevent. It was something that Peter could not deny. It was something that we cannot help but be influenced by. So friend, what will you do with the brilliant light 
of God's love today? Will you let it illuminate your path? Or will you shield yourself from it just long enough to where you can get back into the darkness? That's the choice that you have today. God, the fact that you afford us this opportunity, this privilege to be in your presence is truly a remarkable gift. And that you engage in our lives, not just corporately as we gather together here on Easter Sunday morning, but individually, intimately, on a very singular, personal level. And God, right now, as as your encouraging minds and empowering hearts all across this auditorium and those who are watching through through various media, live stream, and through television. God, we thank you that you are drawing us. I love the way your word puts it, that you're wooing us to you. Thank you, God, for making the resurrection of your son such a public act so significant that even to the greatest skeptics that it is absolutely undeniable. Thank you, God, for making it this defining moment, this life game changer. And finally, oh God, Thank you for loving us enough that you give us the free will to embrace this defining moment or walk away from it, that you don't force us to choose you, that you don't force us to have a relationship with you, that even though we're made to be eternal beings, that that we can choose to live eternity in your plan, in your blessing, and in your presence, or we can choose to live eternity separated from you. It's a choice that you've given us. But understanding that reality, oh God, give us the wisdom and the spiritual courage to step in to the light, to embrace the defining moment of a resurrected Savior and a God who values us, loves us, has the power to bring victory in our life and has established opportunity for destiny. We thank you for it.